Hello and welcome to the special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Charles discusses nitrogen fertiliser for silage ground. A couple of weeks, maybe late talking about this. Uh, I, I planned to cover it a week or two ago, but then there was just a few elements and getting people on particular days that just worked out better. Uh, but I suppose in one sense, I'm probably not too late either. Um, good few people have probably uh, split fertilizer for silage this year, given the way the spring had gone uh, in terms of giving themselves options to potentially go back and uh, graze it again. Um, so there's a top up required now at this stage. And what, what that top up is going to be and how much it should be is probably topical enough. Um, and in a normal year, but in a year where fertilizer is now touching off 1200 euros a ton potentially for urea, uh, it obviously makes it more significantly important again. So I'll just share a screen here with you. So silage fertilizer in, the question mark, I suppose, is how much is enough? Um, and is, the, is it enough? When, um, where's the tipping point in terms of getting a return for your investment in silage fertilizer? And obviously, at the very outset, I suppose it's important to point out to people that everybody needs to be conscious of the quantity of fertilizer or silage that they're going to require for the coming winter. Uh, and talking to some guys that are buying uh, stock for the factories and stuff, they're telling me that there's quite a lot of uh, cows going directly from the parlor into factories at the moment. So people are obviously making decisions around tidying up herds, given the costs, high cost year that's potentially ahead of us. And that in itself might help the silage requirement as well uh, and it's important to point out that there can be significant savings in both silage and I suppose increased availability of grass and we would have touched on it in, in previous uh, conversations over the last number of weeks by removing these cows earlier rather than later and um, so people actively uh, moving on that and being proactive on that so then the next phase of it is what silage is required so you have to do your sums in terms of what numbers you expect to carry over the winter and what silage requirement will be uh, required for them. And that varies from uh, county to county, from parish to parish, potentially depending on soil types. It could be ranging anywhere from three month winters up to six month winters, depending on the location. And obviously silage requirement will change uh, based on that. So the most important thing is that people don't uh, skimp on actual quantity of silage that they're trying to preserve this year. Uh, and but there's a fine line and I'll show it to you in a minute in terms of getting that balance right uh, because a, a big pit or a load of bales of rubbish is no good to anybody uh, and it's important that we try to get the balance right so we, I, I think I've a couple of charts that will really make that point uh, quite vividly to people in a minute okay so just moving on I suppose again we've looked at this a couple of weeks back uh, maybe two months ago now at this stage so what cost is urea at at the moment as I said I've heard prices of 1200 euros if we take we were talking about a thousand euros a ton a couple of a couple of weeks ago now I'm led to believe that supply isn't going to be as much of a concern as it necessarily was uh, a number of weeks ago definitely logistics are being troublesome at the moment in terms of getting the fertilizer maybe into the into the ports and maybe getting it begged and so forth um, possibly hasn't been helped by panic buying maybe that's gone on so I'd say I think if people are kind of cautious uh, in terms of not, not looking for too much in one go the possibility is that they might get, get that quicker than big loads um, but I suppose the point is that at 1200 euros a ton the cost per kg is 2 euro 61 so it's very very significant jump in price as you can imagine 
So if we're talking about 100 kgs of nitrogen per hectare, that's 261 euros per hectare or 104 euros an acre. So the reason I have a value of slurry in there with a question mark is that we often come across people that have outside land and obviously more and more people are depending on outside land to provide the silage, uh, having stocked up on the milking platform potentially. The, um, the situation with, with the slurry then, is the slurry moving back from the main farm to that silage ground? In some cases it does, in other cases it doesn't. Uh, where that slurry doesn't move back to the to the silage ground, there's potentially deficits in terms of P's and K's, uh, or else that P and K has to be sourced in another form, in a chemical format. And as people will be aware, the P side of things is very restrictive from a nitrates regulations point of view. Uh, so that throws up its own problems. But also from a cost point of view, uh, definitely this year, from a nitrogen point of view, the, the value of the slurry has increased dramatically. So getting that slurry from the home farm back to the out blocks for the uh, silage is, is beneficial in terms of reducing the potential cost of the fertilization of the silage crop, but also important for feeding the crop in terms of peas and K's. However, there's a caveat to that on the 14th of April, um, it's too late, in my opinion anyway, to be spreading uh, any sort of quantity of slurry uh, on silage ground that we would be hoping to cut in a month or five weeks time, probably, because a, a late application of slurry is going to result in luxury uptake. Most of you will have experienced, as far as I can understand, a good day yesterday across the entire country where you could almost see grass growing. So that's going to see very rapid uptake of any care that's made available to, to grass and the risk of that coming back in, in the silage is going to be a, a real potential cause of milk fever for people next uh, next spring. And we want to avoid that. So I would say if you haven't put on the P's and K's at this stage uh, in, ter in terms of slurry that you wouldn't want to be um, doing it, at, uh, you'd want to follow up following the first cut really. And, and target for if you haven't managed to do it that you would try to get the slurry to the silage ground in January, February or March at the latest um, for the coming year. So just moving on from the cost, uh, there's a bit of a fuzz on this graph. Um, this is just showing the yield response to fertilizer in uh, on a per cut basis with the first cut up at the top or second cut in the red. Third cut is um, green here and fourth cut. This is work that was done uh, in Grange a number of years ago. And what we have across the bottom here, and again, apologies for the quality of the, of the graph now, is um, the fertilizer in per cut in kgs per hectare. So we've 25, 50, 75, 100, 125, and 150. So 125 kgs is the equivalent of 100 units, and 100 kgs is the equivalent of 80 units. And I suppose if we draw an imaginary line from the 100 up here to the, for, in terms of first cut, you can see that it's actually beginning to drop off probably in this area here. Uh, and that it's definitely dropping off when we get up to this area here. So in excess of 100 kgs per hectare, is, uh, the, re the return is diminishing. So I suppose we're beginning to reach that tipping point. So for, for me, what does this tell us? I suppose it tells us two things. It says that our old advice, or we'll say the advice of 100 units for first cut is there or thereabouts. I suppose in a year like this, it, there's a question mark around the, the return on that last uh, quarter of the fertilizer that's being applied. So it, there's still a return, but is there a return um, good enough for putting it, putting it on? Uh, and I think that's going to come down to the actual um, quantity of silage that's required maybe by people, the area that's available to be cut, 
if you're tight on area, you want to try and maximize the return from the area that you're getting uh, or that you have available. But the reality is, I suppose, at that 80 units, including slurry, must be emphasized now, including slurry, uh, contributing to the fertilizer in there, we're achieving maximum um, return at that point, and then it's beginning to drop off while there still is a return. So I suppose what that says is, uh, and you possibly have seen it in the media lately in relation to the kind of fodder committee that's been set up, that the recommendation from that is that people would spread at least 80 units of nitrogen for their first cut silage. So if you split application at this stage, which most people will have some fertilizer gone out, um, you're talking about trying to cut maybe the 20, 20th to the 25th, anywhere from the 15th to the 25th of May. And if we work back just from, as I said, today's 14th of April, and we go to the 15th of May, that's 30 days, you wouldn't actually want to be putting out more than 60 units of nitrogen now in order to, um, to get that cut on the 15th of May. Now, if we're going to move to the 20th, obviously we have an extra couple of days, so that brings us to the 70, 70, 70 units. And if it brings us, if we go to, if we're willing to go to the 25th in terms of the cut date, uh, then we have also got the advantage of an extra five days there, which would allow you to put out the 80 units. The, the decision-making process there would probably relate to whether the ground has been grazed or not. If there, if you're coming from a clean uh, crop, then our clean base, obviously the scope for that uh, crop to grow on to the 20th or 25th of May is greater. However, if it's been stopped since late last year and it hasn't um, hasn't been touched since and isn't going to be touched, obviously, at this stage, then you need to be cutting back on that nitrogen and aiming to cut maybe even on the 10th to the 15th of May in order to get a good crop of silage that's going to have quality in it. And I suppose the quality is the key thing. And as I said, I think this the, the next one of the next graphics will show the, the importance of the quality. Just in relation to the actual rate of nitrogen, I suppose, I was a bit taken aback a number of years ago um, talking to some groups in different parts of the country at the level of nitrogen that they were using for silage, a bit on the high side, in my opinion, uh, considering that, we, as I said, we would have always recommended that 80 to 100 units. Some people seem to be going with higher rates. Just an interesting uh, piece from that, I suppose, is that the lodging side of things, so a crop caused the causing of a crop to lodge, we'll say, is, is related to excess nitrogen usage, I suppose. And you can see here that when 120 kgs of N per hectare is applied, so that's more or less 100, um, 100 units, is, which is a little bit over the top, probably in total, uh, that the potential for lodging is, is greater. Uh, and you can see that there's nearly 30% no matter whether it's can urea, single or a split application, that the risk of lodging probably increases with the increased rate of growth. And you can see that that was on a 25th of May harvest. So if we delay the harvest further, then the risk of lodging will probably increase uh, um, quite exponentially. And that will have a dramatic effect on quality of the crop then as well. This one is the big one for me in terms of what people are going to do. You can see here that we have the impact of cutting date on total dry matter yield and total USL production. So the total dry matter yield is the upper graph here on the top and the bottom graph is total UFLs. So silage is uh, going to be expensive to make this year. Talks of 150 an acre for pit silage um, being, talk, uh, being bandied around. Bales increasing quite significantly as many will have seen on the journal recently on the front page. And the temptation is that let's just go for a big first cut 
uh, and we'll knock it out of the park in that sense that we'll have a lot of silage in the yard and we'll get real good value for our 150 euros an acre that the harvester is picking up. It's actually uh, counterintuitive uh, or actually um, foolhardy to do that because we can see first cuts are highlighted here in, in blue and the second cut is highlighted in red. So we can see as our cutting date delays going from May 29th through to the 23rd of June, which is quite extreme now, but if we said 12th of June, which many people got caught with last year because of the weather breaking, um, we end up with, um, you can see here that we actually end up with more silage, uh, albeit maybe not very statistically significantly different by using two cuts that are cut early compared to a late first cut and are a very late first cut. Uh, and the reason for that is that we get a very long lag phase after this kind of a first cut or this kind of a first cut. So we get, we're getting the lodging, we're getting a very white base, and you all know and have experience of that maybe two weeks or three weeks of looking at that field sitting as a white stubble and nothing coming back in it. And the other thing is often as well when that crop goes down that it, it's a, the cut isn't very clean, so it's growing off of a very dirty base in terms of dragged uh, when, it, when it has been mown. Whereas our, we're working here, we're just getting the crop to the right stage, we're taking it off and we're very much on the move as, as quickly as it's um, has been cut. And as a result, we actually grow a greater total amount of dry matter per hectare by getting our crop off early. The knock-on effect of that then subsequently before we even look at the UFL piece is that we, we cut early here, we'll cut within eight weeks here, and we have the opportunity then on top of this to get grazing towards the back end of the year. There could be one, there could be two, there, and on some dry land, there could even potentially be three. When we move to this phase, we're going to find that we're now two weeks later with our second cut as well, so we're nearly into August. It can be quite hard to actually get grass to grow or build maybe on that ground. So our one or two grazings can be compromised potentially by our attempt to try and get this big silage harvest. And definitely in this case, we've gone way too late. Our second cut is going to drift into August at this stage almost. Um, and as a result, we're going to have a very low second cut and we'll almost have little or no recovery we're talking about on that ground. And the opportunities for grazing on that ground will be limited and it can potentially result in stock having to be housed earlier. So bear that in mind in terms of the plan, in terms of cutting date that the earlier is, is actually the better, even though you may have a smaller first cut or you will have a smaller first cut, you will make up the balance basically in a, in a better second cut uh, and you will it's an all-round better option to go for to cut earlier rather than later. From a UFL point of view, obviously, um, digestibility decreases as the more stem that comes into the crop and the bigger the bulk, the more the stem uh, and UFL obviously will drop as a result because there's lit, very low levels of energy in stem, as you're well aware from grazing uh, quality grass. And the objective should be kind of something similar in terms of silage to try and get a maximum leaf to stem ratio uh, as possible in the silage crop in order to maximize quality. And that manifests itself in terms of UFL. And that's important given the, the way feed prices are going at the moment as well, because if we have a big crop of bulk, here, which is low UFL, and the total quantity of UFL is, is low as well, we're going to have to, you can see that there's a gap potentially going to have to be filled across this area here. So if we're feeding stock this silage, um, we're going to have to maybe make up the difference in terms of energy intake. However, here we may be in the position where we may be able to limit 
the actual quantity of silage fed because the energy content of it is high enough to uh, suit the stock that we're feeding. Um, similarly, I suppose with weanlings where we have good quality silage with good quality protein uh, levels, we may be actually able to save a little bit in terms of feeding rates or definitely on protein percentages being, in, being um, used. So that would obviously then um, result in cheaper ration being able to be fed over the winter period to, to young stock. So um, that's pretty much it, I suppose, in terms of, uh, of what I wanted to cover today. Um, just to say that the, just need to, uh, maybe I haven't been sharing. Oh, sorry. So uh, just to, I've, I've spoken through the graphs, basically the, the maximum fertilizer tipping point is here at the kind of 80 to 100 units area there. Um, the feed, the, the risk of lodging is, is increasing as we go with higher rates of, of, of nitrogen. And um, you can see here then that this is what I've spent the last few minutes talking about, which you haven't been able to see. So the first cut, the two, two good cuts, rather than one big cut and a moderate or, or poor second cut is really the important point that has to be made here. Uh, and that earlier cut is facilitating a greater dry matter production in total from the whole um, area that's under silage and then potentially for grazing subsequently compared to one big cut, which has a dramatic impact in terms of the second cut because of that long leg phase. And then that feeds through to the energy content as well. So high, high bulk equals low energy. And if we have to supplement and, and fill that gap for 2022 winter, then it's going to be an expensive situation for people trying to do that. Um, so that's uh, apologies to people for the, the fact that I wasn't sharing the screen there. Um, as I said, I just... I'm actually not in my own office today and uh, my connection doesn't seem to be as good. So apologies. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. So I'll just go back and go full screen there and just run through them again. So that, that was just a piece in the value of the fertilizer so, and the value of the slurry uh, in terms of reducing the cost of the nitrogen associated with it. Our tipping point is here at our 80 to 100 units. And the advice would be that there be a minimum of 80 units applied for, for silage. But bear in mind that if we haven't um, if we haven't grazed that ground since late last year, then putting on 80 units at this stage is now going to push your, your cutting day quite late for that kind of ground. And you would be better off cutting that early, going back, topping up for a second cut, and you should get a good strong second cut from that as well. And then that would obviously facilitate uh, grazing then as well. Ground that's grazed this spring obviously has the potential to push that first cut date a bit later. But at the same time, we still think that people should be probably targeting to cut within the 10th to the 30th of May type window, maybe drifting into the early days of June with stuff that has been grazed relatively late because obviously quality will be maintained where it has been grazed. So this, for me, as I said, is the real key uh, slide and the whole thing in relation to silage. Temptation there because of the cost this year that we'll drive up, we'll go for this big cut here, but actually it's going to be a negative. So don't be tempted to fall into that trap. You still get, in terms of energy value, you're going to get good value from whatever you're paying your contractor by getting two good cuts rather than trying to drive, burn, making burn diesel to put a big, big crop through in, in first cut. And all you'll have is a big heap of strong stemmy grass that you will end up supplementing during the winter to try to get stock to be right. And again, 
it might sound mad to say it, but you'd be better off to, to be trying to limit silage. And okay, it's not the easiest thing to do, but you'd be better off to be trying to limit intake of good quality silage rather than trying to step up or, or boost up a poor quality silage because there's a double whammy. Poor quality silage has lower intake in its in itself as well because it's a high um, capacity. So its gut fill is high, higher with it because of the stem ratio in it. So they can't eat enough of it to, to kind of look after themselves, particularly important for the young stock uh, as cows tend to have an ability to survive away. However, we do want condition to, like we are, we are depending on silage to put on condition on cows more and more since quarters went because the opportunity is there to milk on later. So when they do go onto a dry cow diet, they often need to be um, pushed on a little bit in order to make sure that they'll achieve the, the right body condition score at, at calving. If we're in a good position in terms of calving condition score, we can limit this a little bit. And I would definitely prefer to be in the situation where I'm limiting a high quality feed rather than trying to supplement a poor quality feed. So apologies for the the, um, the failing to share there properly throughout the course of that there this morning. I hope you got some value from it. Um, as I said, no more than 80 units uh, or, or a minimum of 80 units, but a maximum of 100 at, at the very top level in terms of what's applied and that's including the slurry it's very important to emphasize including the slurry and if you are using dribble bar you have to factor in that each thousand gallons that you've applied is contributing three units more than you would actually have had in the past which if you were using a splash plate so if you have applied three thousand gallons for simplicity we'll say instead of having 18 units now you now have 27 units so that actually facilitates you cutting back uh, quite significantly on your fertilizer and the saving can be made there rather than saving on not actually fertilizing the crop properly if we if you understand um furthermore i suppose the the, the amount that goes on now is important uh, and watch that cutting date so it could actually vary and while it is uh, an awkward scenario opening pits and closing pits you'd be better off to actually uh, operate on that kind of a system rather than um to work the the system of trying to get it all in in one go. So it might mean multiple cuts. Um, I suppose think about the way you're covering your pit to make it easy to open it again, to put it in. Been on a couple of farms where they just use the, the netting to cover the pits and the bags of stone. And it's very easy to strip the pit and put in more uh, as opposed to tire on tire. Uh, but it's important that that, that uh, pit is well covered uh, and the that it's well sealed obviously as well every time that it, it is closed up so just be conscious of that as well just one question in as well if you're using the dribble bar for slurry uh, could you put still put it on silage ground the answer to that is i suppose dependent on the grass situation on that ground if it's just been recently grazed in order to try to get yourself out of the the corner with uh, grass um, availability for the for cows or whatever then the reality is, I suppose, you could put it onto clean stubble because your cutting date is probably going to be that little bit later, going towards the end of May and into early June, potentially. Um, but I'd like it to be watery and I wouldn't like it to be a, a lot. So I think um, 1,500 gallons maybe at most, probably at this stage, I think it's just the, the risk of, of K coming back in and the silage is something that's a real, real problem for people. Um, I think we didn't see as much of it this year because our silage cuts were delayed quite significantly because of bad weather. Um, but then we ended up with the fact that we had poor quality um, silage, maybe uh, as many, as can be seen maybe by milk deliveries are a little bit back this year, even though cow numbers are kind of similar. 
So hopefully you got something from that today. Thanks for your interactions. And again, apologies for the, the screen, not screen sharing there on uh, throughout the earlier part of the presentation. Next week, I'm going to be joined by um, Emma-Louise Coffey, um, who's going to talk about the, the Fair Managers course. Uh, and I suppose just a couple of elements, I suppose, in terms of uh, people coming onto farms and the labour uh, that work on farms or the people that work on farms, sorry, um, and how they sh how people expect to be treated, how they should be treated, um, and what the course can do for people as well. So it's a, it's a bit it's maybe interesting for for some people that maybe have young people coming through that are interested in farming. It's not necessarily a farm a, a course that you have to do just to become a farm manager for someone else. It's well worth doing if people are considering uh, farming in their own right on their home farm. So tune in next week for for M. Louise. Uh, and we'll also have uh, one of the former students uh, on with us as well to uh, give his experience of it as well. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and thanks for listening.